This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm flying solo today as my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, is in California hosting our Open to Hope cable show. If you want to watch these shows, you just need to log on to opentohope.com, where you can listen to radio, see our cable shows, and read a lot of articles. And everything that we do is about finding hope after loss. And I have two great people in the studio here with me today, which is wonderful because oftentimes I'm alone. So, uh... We are going to have two guests today. One is my friend Sally Lynch, who I've known for many, many years. And the other one is Jim Giacconi, who is a bereaved sibling. And we're going to be talking with both of them about September 11th and how people found hope after uh, loss after the 9-11 events. So I'm going to start with introducing Sally. Sally and I go way back. We started working together in 2002 Um, on a longitudinal study with Columbia University and the fire department looking at loss over time in families that had lost someone in in the World Trade Center attacks, firefighters that had been lost in the World Trade Center attacks, and how these families found hope again over time. And Sally is the development consultant for Tuesday's Children, an organization formed in response to September 11, 2001. Tuesday's Children is a recovery and response organization supporting families and communities impacted by terrorism and traumatic loss. And they are, they are located in, at 10 Rockefeller Center, and I went down there a few weeks ago and saw their organization, and they just offer, like, a huge amount of services to people that have lost, and they're an incredible organization. So I'm really excited to have her here with me today. And we are also going to talk with Jim Giacconi. Jim, did I say that right? It's close enough. Okay, there you go. Um, Jim is a brief sibling, so that's near and dear to my heart. We've both lost brothers. His brother, Joseph, was killed on September 11th in the World Trade Center. And Jim is a volunteer mentor for Tuesday's Children and a volunteer tour guide at the 9-11 Tribute Center in downtown Manhattan. And he was nice enough to give my parents a tour on Joseph's birthday, uh, April 26th. Correct. Um, And I love what he's doing. He is doing so much you know, to keep Joseph's memory alive and also to build awareness for the world about what happened on that horrific day when people were murdered um, at the World Trade Center. So we're going to talk with both of them. So welcome to the show, Sally and Joseph. Thanks, Heidi. I just called you Joseph. Okay, he must be here. (laughs) Sally and Jim. I'm going to try not to do that. Sometimes I do that, actually. It's a frequent occurrence. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how much these siblings, these brothers, live in our hearts, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they, even though they're not with us, they are so with us every day, and they're our guiding lights. And they're so with us in spirit and memory. Um, so I think I'm going to start out with Sally. Uh, Sally, can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing and about Tuesday's Children? Sure. So as you mentioned, Tuesday's Children was founded after September 11th, um, initially to support all the families that experienced a direct loss. 
There were 3,051 children who lost a parent on that day. Um, and the organization really set out to kind of be there for those kids um, to, you know, let them have the childhood that they otherwise would have had if their parent had survived. Okay, so Sally, can you say that number again? How many kids lost a parent? 3,051. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. There were nearly 3,000 people killed in the attacks. And, you know, I guess the average size of families um, in America, you know, there were more kids who lost a parent than the number of people who died. Um, and, you know, there were even over 100 uh, babies born after September 11th who, who had a parent who died. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and then in later years, we expanded to start working with 9 um, responders who, you know, answered in the rescue and recovery efforts, not just uniformed workers, but everybody. There were an estimated 90,000 people who responded after September 11th. Um, and there have been about 1,700 people who've died from 9-11 related illnesses from the exposure. There have been about 600,000 people exposed at the World Trade Center site. Um, over 50 types of cancer have been linked to that uh, debris that was down there. Um, and the World Trade Center Health Program is, is um, only has about 70,000 people registered out of those 600,000 people who've been exposed. So, so what I'm hearing is 15 years later, because we're coming up on the 15th anniversary, we're seeing ramifications. I mean, they've never stopped. I mean, there's ramifications yeah. that keep going on and on and on. 15 years later. Absolutely. So, you know, it was an unprecedented tragedy, September 11th, and the ripple effects have really, you know, had long-term effects. And I think we want to continue to raise awareness for that because there's not necessarily funding to support programs for communities in the long term after an event like this. Um, and, you know, those ripple effects show that the responders still need help. There were also, you know, over 2 million troops deployed in post-9-11 military operations. There have been, you know, tens of thousands of casualties from that. Um, and, you know, uh, I think it's something like between seven and 8,000 in combat alone. So there wow. are kids who lost a parent, you know, from the military efforts afterwards. And those numbers, you know, even uh, exceed the numbers that were initially killed on September 11th. So mm -hmm. Tuesday's Children has expanded its mission in recent years to try and be supportive of those communities as well. Um, and we've also reached out to international communities um, from 9-11 family members coming to us saying that they wanted to meet others around the world who'd mm. lost someone in a terrorist incident. Um, I love that. So you're putting people together that have had similar losses. Absolutely. We have a program That's called big. Project Common Bond mm -hmm. that was started by the 9-11 kids, and they've uh, brought together over 400 kids from, I think it's 22 different countries now. Wow. Um, they have a week-long kind of summer symposium, and it's just amazing to see the different cultures come together. And, you know, they... They come with apprehension at first, thinking, I'm not going to get along with these people from this other side of the world, or how am I going to talk to them? And within the first day, the bonds between them are just, you know, palpable. Um, well, well, and one thing that I like that you're also doing is, you know, you're still providing services to people that have had a loss in the Trade Center 15 years ago, because you're seeing, I know you said earlier um, before the show that you're seeing that you know, the kids are now grown up, but they they need things. They need what you said, career advice. They need advice on applying to colleges. They need different things. Absolutely. I, the average age of those 3,051 kids on 9-11 was eight. 
So some of them are as young as 14, 15 years old, and the majority of them are in their early 20s. Many of them have actually joined Tuesday's Children's Junior Board and have taken on leadership roles in our organization, as have many other family members. And, you know, Jim is an example of that. Some of mm -hmm. our later programs really come from the hope and post-traumatic growth that family members got from our programs. So, you know, Jim, for 10 years, has been mentoring two 9-11 kids, and he's been volunteering at the Tribute Center to give tours in uh, in memory of his brother. And, you know, he just embodies kind of what Tuesday's Children is about in letting the family members tell us what they need and then creating those programs so that they can help. Well, I love this. And, and Jim, why don't we... Um why don't I hear a little bit about, about how you got so involved in all this and about your brother Joseph and what happened? Sure. Um, in November of 2001, I had read an article uh, in the very early days of Tuesday's Children mm -hmm. describing it. Uh, it was uh, started by a gentleman that was in the neighboring town in Locust Valley to me and I remember reaching out to him, and after a couple of phone calls, I did get in touch with him. But for whatever reasons, um, it was not to be. Um, mm -hmm. I had still young children. Mm -hmm. I had just started a second business. Um, and life, uh, it was just not meant to be at that point. But I always searched for something to honor my brother. And I don't have the monetary means to make a what I would consider a significant uh, difference, uh, the most valuable thing I did have was my time. Mm -hmm. And I searched for avenues to utilize that time. And I came upon Tuesday's Children again and in their mentoring program, to be specific. And I thought, you know, my brother's DNA is in me. Yeah. Um, even That's in a big. very small way. If the boys learn something from me, there is that small intrinsic value of my brother mm -hmm. that's going to be transmitted to these boys. And it started out with uh, first Nicholas, who was eight, on his birthday was our first meeting. His birthday's on uh, Valentine's Day. Uh -huh. And uh, that will be, it's going to be 10 years this next February. It'll be 10 years. And then when his brother, his younger brother, they were two and a half and two months old at the time. Now, who who are they? Who is <clears throat> Nicholas and the younger brother? They, their father also died on September 11th okay. in the North Tower. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as I just said, that they're, the one brother, the older brother, was two and a half years mm -hmm. old, and one, the younger brother was two months old. Mm -hmm. um, and then when the younger brother, Matthew, came of age, his mother asked if I minded taking the two of them on, and we are the three musketeers now. Wow. And my wife says we get along so well because we all have the same uh, maturity level. So. <laughs> Wait, so they were Joseph's children? No, no, no. Okay. No, they were, maybe I missed It was, uh, yeah, they were the um, kids of another, another uh, parent. Okay. Another, another oh. parent that was. That died. Uh, the, and the, Tuesday's correct, children matched the mother, Jim. The mother oh, I see. Okay. put the child this in. This is helpful. So you guys match people. Yes, together we match mentors, as mentors. with okay. kids who lost their And parent. so you took them on as a kind of a surrogate parent. Correct, like a big brother. Yeah, Not I a surrogate. I, I don't, I, I really, brother. really shy away from being a yes. parent. Um, I like the big brother. I, the I big see brother, what you're saying because yeah. no one can obviously replace Correct. a dad. I never so tried you're to like go there. The, a big brother. You were like a big brother to them. You are like Correct. a big brother. Correct. That's and I, wonderful. And the mother loves the fact that I am in construction and I work with my hands and yeah. I'm a what she calls a guy's guy, and, and I, we build things. And, and you both came from places of loss. Correct. Because you had lost Joseph. 
Correct. And and early on, um, how was it? How was your journey? My personal journey. Yes. Uh, my personal journey. Um, in the very beginning, I noticed that even when I spoke to, when I would try to speak to even my closest friends, or even for different reasons, my wife, I would see how uncomfortable people would become around me. So I mm -hmm. kind of shut it down. I kind of didn't talk about my brother just to save other people's feelings. And I just busied myself with whatever I could. My wife was a very big support. My family was a very big support. My parents were obviously suffering terribly, mm -hmm. so I tried to be their support. Which is so common with siblings. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was the same way. My parents were so devastated. I mean, my brother didn't die in 9-11. He died in a car accident. But my parents were so devastated that I felt like I needed to be there for them and kind of hide my grief from them. Exactly. Because they they were going through... Exactly. So I, I, I really tried to be their support system, mm -hmm. um, especially my dad. My dad and I became very close, and he came to lean on me a lot for that. Right. Um, and then I came upon Tuesday's Children, and Tuesday's Children, you know, uh, it gave me, I, I can honestly say without any reservation that when I lead the boys, after I spend a day with the boys, I have such a peaceful feeling mm -hmm. in me. Um, and I am in such a better place after I leave the boys that it's uh, if they get half of what I get out of it, it's a win-win. I love this idea of putting two people, like putting three people actually that all are coming from a place of loss together mm -hmm. and having this mentoring big brother situation. One thing I would like to bring out, though, that it, not all the mentors, and there was at the time, I don't know how many active mentoring matches they're on now we've had um over 200 you know matches at uh, at a given time and right now we probably have about 40 45 mm -hmm. active ma uh, matches still going from 9-11 kids who lost a parent but we've now broadened the program to responder kids and we're um thinking about trying to roll it out for military kids who lost a parent so that's going to take some more planning i love this and mm -hmm. and if you're a 9-11 kid and it's been 15 years and you want to get a mentor is it too late to do that absolutely not yeah contact tuesday's children and um and we will we've got you know mentees in the wings who are kind of ready to be matched with kids um, this is great yeah and one thing i would like to bring out is that i had uh, um, an emotional and and um a very immediate need to do this volunteering but there is uh, the hundreds that came out were just out of the goodness of their heart to become mentors mm -hmm. to these kids that needed help. So I'd take my hat off to these other people that really came out of the, all different walks of life just just to be there for the kids. Yeah, we've Absolutely. had a, a really wide variety of mentors over the years. Um, some of them are board members of ours, some, you know, who came from Wall Street. And, you know, some of the kids were looking more for career advice. And we've had some career mentor matches that way. We've also had, um, you know, some of the kids who lost a parent who are now in their late 20s. Um, for instance, the, you know, chair of our junior board um, became a mentor to a 9-11 kid who was a baby when his father died. Uh, and, you know, they're um, a very successful match and they've been, you know, great supports for each other. Um, but we've had, you know, responders, we've had other members of the community who've become mentors. So not necessarily people who've lost a loved one on September 11th. Okay, well, this is good to know, too. Yeah. So, so Jim, speaking about sibling loss... 
Do you feel that your loss was as validated and acknowledged as other kinds of losses, being that it was your brother? Um, I really don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know how to judge it against somebody mm -hmm. else's loss. Um, I only, that's one big thing that I take away from all of this, September 11th, that there was no correct way, there's mm -hmm. no blueprint, there's no formula to anybody's grief, anybody's um, mourning or recovery, because mine took many, 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 many years. And how many years would you say? It's still ongoing. Yeah. It's it, definitely still ongoing because we're going through a time of my life right now where uh, my father died in 2011 and my mother just died this past February. Oh, wow. And, uh, that's, that's a lot. That's we're tough. We're having to deal with uh, family issues and he was my older brother. Right. And I could definitely be using him right now. Well, this is a good point. So they, <clears throat> you need we need our brothers for different reasons at different points in our life. Uh -huh. And, and losses that happen after our brothers die re-trigger the, the feelings that we had about them dying. I was up there eulogizing my mother, yeah. thinking about my brother. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. And what do you think? I mean, some siblings tell me, you know, Heidi, I feel like parent, other you know, parents get more focus. Um, you know, people want to know how are your parents and how is your mother and how are they doing and there's less focus on the death of a brother or sister. Do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts that, about that? The, I, you know, I never thought about it before, but it's mm -hmm. almost every, 100% of the time when somebody comes up to me and or would then ask me, instead of how am I doing, how's your sister-in-law doing, how's your mother doing, how's your father doing, how's the my niece and nephew doing, um, and which so, is a whole other layer, and that's exactly but what I, I've heard. I, I really, yeah, but I... And maybe I'm being accepting, but I kind of understood it, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, being a sibling, he had his wife who woke up with him every morning. His shoes were in the corner every day. I mean, there was a lot more immediate reminders that, and she had two young children that she had to make sure got on with life. And so I, I, I could understand it in a way. What do you, I mean, losing somebody in September 11th, and the terrorist attacks is a very different, unique kind of loss. What do you think is was hardest about that your brother dying in that way? Well, it, it was almost a double-edged sword having such being murdered publicly like that. Right. And, and I like what you're saying, being murdered publicly, because when I first started working with Sally, I would go out to the firefighter homes and work with the families, and I kept saying the word died. And a couple, a bunch of the widows confronted me and said, "He said, Heidi, they were murdered," mm -hmm. and it's almost like I couldn't say it because it was, it was, a, it was such a harsh word. And they were like, "Please, this is how they died, and this is this is impacting the way that we're grieving." Correct. Mm -hmm. Because we know that they were murdered. A hundred percent. I okay, completely so. agree. And I, when I give tours through the tribute center. I don't use the word murder for shock value. Mm -hmm. It's just the reality that I live with. Right. That he was murdered in front of my eyes, in front of, you know, the Earth's population watched that event occur again and again and again and again. And it was troubling, you know, and it was a double-edged sword because the outpouring of, of support 
was amazing to my family and myself. Um, but it was such a public grieving also. Mm -hmm. I remember the first anniversary, I felt like I was a goldfish in a goldfish bowl and everybody was looking at me as I was coming down the, you know, I just wanted to. And they were. And they were, is mm -hmm. right. There was the every was, newscast. The world was looking at you guys. Absolutely. And then when I came home, I had been, um, for some reason or another, the camera locked on me and they followed me all the way down wow. the, the ramp. And when I came home, I had to hear about how people saw me grieving at a private, you know, you would think about it as a, as a private time and it was mm -hmm. not a private time. It couldn't be. No. Right, which has got to be very surreal. It, it is very surreal. And yeah. like I said, it was a double-edged sword. I appreciated all the outpouring of love and support around mm -hmm. me, but there was a point where I found myself having to, to uh, comfort people that came up to me mm -hmm. um, that were searching for words or, or ways to comfort me, and I saw how uncomfortable they would become, and I would inevitably comfort them. Right, right. So we're going we're gonna to have to wrap up, unfortunately, because I love where this is going, and it's gone too fast. And I want Sally, both Sally and Jim, to give us some parting words about how you feel that people heal after a traumatic loss and, and how do they find hope. Absolutely. I think um, some of the names of the programs that we've created at Tuesday's Children, Project Common Bond, Helping Heals, you know, they really came from what the family members were telling us about what they were finding helpful. So I think connecting with others that have experienced a loss is really powerful. And I think, you know, um, doing other things that help and that give you that sense of peace that Jim was talking about can really be a healing mechanism. Um, so I think, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to others who can actually relate to your loss. I think that helps. I love that. And Sally, how do we find Tuesday's Children? Um, We're at www.tuesdayschildren.org. Um, and you can just go to our website and, you know, there are many links to contact us and somebody will get back to you immediately if you do. Please check this organization out because they have got so many programs that we would, it would take us 10 shows to cover them all. They're an incredible organization, which is helping, really helping the world heal. And Jim, what advice would you give to those brief siblings out there that don't know how they're going to survive? I would say that it took me a very long time. Um, it's 15 years, and I'm still recovering, but it really took me, I could pinpoint five years, that there was a catalyst in the fifth year that really was my beginning to recover because I was... After it happened, I was powerless, and I found a mechanism to harness some power within me to take control of my grieving and to, to move forward, and it's helped me tremendously. I think that's really important advice, and I think it's important for everybody that's listening out there to realize Jim is saying five years. So, I mean, a lot of people are very new in their grief, and the first few years, you're newbies. You really are. So I want to thank you so much, Sally and Jim, for all that you've done today and for building awareness for sibling loss and that there is hope out there for people that have had a loss. And I want to thank you for listening to the Open to Hope show. And if you'd like to listen to more shows like this, go to opentohope.com and you can listen to these shows and you can watch our cable shows. And we're going to have Jim on very soon. And uh, we've had Sally on a show, which was fabulous. You can go on to Open to Hope and look at her show. And we, um, 
our dedi- we dedicate all of our shows to helping people find hope after loss. That is our mission. And if you've lost hope today, please lean on mine, Sally's, and Jim's because there is hope out there. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.